popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. <laughs> right, we're live now, Christina. So, <laughs> Very so, excited, uh, finally. I know, I know, finally. Um, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, the last time we tried to do this podcast, you know, for the listeners, I... Um, I just had the news literally two seconds before the podcast was starting that I had a new granddaughter just arrive in this world. And so I was caught between keeping to my planned podcast with Christina, uh, but with this, my heart sort of pulling me to celebrating this news with my wife and my family. And Christina, uh, I mean, given the subject of your master's, lead from the heart you said it was a no-brainer go away phil and this is why we're here two weeks later or so, so. i really appreciate it. no come <laughs> on i i would have anything else would have been very strange right is go this is life this is what life's about that's the uh, that's the real heart right a it child is. a new child a newborn that is a I true know. innocence and pure heart. So actually, I was very genuinely happy. I almost felt, yeah. felt part of it. You still have to send me a picture, though. <laughs> oh, yes, I haven't, uh, I haven't sent you a picture. I promise you I'll do that. I, I, I really will. But I think all newborn babies, they, they, um, they take a while to, to, to begin to look more beautiful, if you like, <laughs> to us, of course. <laughs> Uh, little Clara is an absolute darling, and uh, and uh, no, I will definitely send you a, 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 a picture. So, anyway, I'm I really did appreciate it because there's some you know I'm I hate cancelling meetings. You know, I just hate doing it, and uh, and I was I was torn for a split second. I was torn with continuing, you know, as planned. Uh, but then, you know, I spoke to you about it. And of course, it was a no-brainer. You know, Phil, why should you even hesitate? No, absolutely. I think that uh, I understand the, the business part of it, cancelling meetings. Yeah. You're thinking about the time uh, of the other person. But what is yeah. 
more important in life than yeah. something that has to do with your family. There is a saying, yeah, it's, I heard it in Spanish. I'm going to try to, to, to translate, so it's not going to sound as yes. well. But it's something like uh, the most important thing in life is that the most important thing is the most important thing. So you cannot okay. say, uh, you cannot, uh, if you ask people, what is the most important thing in life? They'll say family, health, right? That's what everyone, yeah, yeah. 99% will say that. And then you cannot put any work thing on top of the most on important of... thing. So uh, first <laughs> things first and family, of course, that's just pure yeah. happiness. Yes, it, it it really was. Yeah. Well, that's very, very, very kind of you. And uh, of, of course, entirely appropriate, um, given the subject of your, your master's. Now, um, with the sales podcast transformation series, we always start with um, explaining to the listeners who you are, you know, who is the person that we've invited onto the podcast. <laughs> And so, um, of course, we can tell from the the Spanish, you know, the accent that maybe there's a connection there. But I'm not sure if you are from Spain. Is that is that right? So uh, let me tell you because it's a it's a little bit of a strange story. So I was okay. born in Germany. Okay. But I am originally from Colombia, South America. Right. And okay. now, since for the fa past six years, I've been living in Spain. I absolutely love it. So basically, I have my mother tongue is German. My okay. my passport, my dancing skills are Colombian. And my parents <laughs> <Okay>. as well, <laughs> fortunately, the dancing skills. Okay. okay. <laughs> but my heart right now, my work, my heart, and everything I've built now is in Madrid, in Spain. So okay. yeah, it's a it's a mixture of cultures, which means yeah. I'm a very open, extroverted, but punctual kind of organized Colombian German kind of person <laughs> if you can if you can so you, say picked, like that you you've picked the best uh, the best out of each culture you've been in I, I can see that you know <laughs> that's what uh, I want to think yeah <laughs> uh, that's what you've done and I think that's that's the advantage that you have of uh, of, of sort of living quite an international life in many ways yeah. you know not just traveling internationally but I mean living in a in a country is a privilege. Yeah, and, no, uh, absolutely. It, it, it teaches yeah. you so many things. Uh, for instance, uh, respect. There's so yeah. much difference in the cultures. Even though we're all people and we're all human and we all want the things, the different approaches on things are completely different. So yeah. respect, adaptability, right? Every time yeah, yeah. I travel to another country and I start a new life, is starting over, building your reputation. And it's also the cool thing, right? Who do you want to be this time? I think the core <laughs> basics are always the same, the values, the ethics, yeah. your education. Yeah. But you always get the chance to do something different and be a little bit different, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, in a way... Um, you know, my childhood was a little similar to yours. You know, I was born in uh, Ascension Island uh, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I may have explained this to you and then moved to Malta and then to Yemen and then Sierra oh, wow. Leone and then Qatar and, oh, wow. and then Trinidad. And, you know, 
It's funny, I felt a little bit of a nomad, but I completely understand what you said about respect, because I think in each country that we lived in, you know, you you recognize that in a way you're a guest of that country and it has its own cultures and systems and you you ideally need to respect that. And um, and so I think that's that's one thing that I've perhaps picked up as well. The, the idea that you're a guest in someone else's home when you're living in someone else's country, uh, even if you're there for a couple of years, as, as, as was my case. But um, you know, before we get into the masters, though, I mean, you start off your your um, your masters um, project by referring back to your grandfather, who clearly was a hugely important person in your life um, and has influenced you. So, would you mind just going back to who he was and why was he such an amazing influence on oh come on absolutely <laughs> if i have the chance to talk about the person i most admired in my entire life i will use that opportunity oh. to talk <laughs> okay. with proudness so let me talk about my grandfather we he was a colombian he was uh, born in colombia uh, you might know that Colombia, in difference to Europe, European countries, is a very poor country. So the yeah. majority of the population is very poor. Uh, there is a big gap between rich and poor. And I call rich and poor not only on money, but on access to opportunities. So if you are on the um, upper end, let's call it like that, you will have access to education, you will have access to university. So it's kind of sad mm -hmm. if you think about that huge gap, because this lower end, which is a huge part of the population, they will yeah. not have access to that. If they don't have access, how are we going to get better, right? So my yeah. grandfather came from that lower end, but mm -hmm. he worked really, really, really hard doing lots of jobs. I remember he was telling me stories that he self-taught himself to read. Don't ask me how. Okay. For me, he's just well, a genius. But he yeah. said he was reading magazines, looking at pictures. And his first job was a jail. So he went to jail to read letters to the prisoners, all of those oh, okay. officials' letters. Amazing. And that was his first job he was still a wow. child you know at that time and many many years ago there was no child laborers and so on he was just trying to survive and he with that money he could go to a school local school and then he was so good that he got a scholarship in a, one of the best universities in Colombia wow. and uh, to make the long story short he became one of the most famous entrepreneurs and lawyers of Colombia. He built huge companies, uh, very famous ones, very big ones that are now have been sold and they are a, a, a limited, limited but super big companies, some of them even yes. multinationals. But that's already impressive. But the reality yeah. and the real thing that I loved about him is that we grew up, we didn't know about it. We didn't know how, what luxury was. He was never a guy who had a lot of luxury. We didn't have cars mm -hmm. and, and so on. But we did have 
a lot of service around the houses. So first of all, let me explain a little bit. It's more normal in Colombia to have service yeah. because it's cheaper, let's say it like that. But if you are a person who is important in Colombia, you will have to have bodyguards. And if you have a big house, then you have different people who are helping yeah. you at home, right? And we did mm -hmm. live in, in kind of a farmhouse. Uh, so it was huge and we had a lot of people helping out. And I remember growing up with their children. So I, they were part of the family. I never got the feeling that we are here and you are there serving me. The contrary, we were sitting at the same table. It was a children's table. That's where we had food. We were all uh, had access to gifts during uh, a, a Christmas because he was giving gifts to everyone. So I never knew there was a difference in anything. Mm -hmm. And the best part about it is... He paid for everyone's um, university and school. So that lower mm. end could now have children in school, in university, and doing something for themselves. And some of those children wow. grew up and they are now working and, and earning a good life. So for me, that was uh, the most impactful thing because obviously when I grew up and I went to university, I understood, yes, there is a difference. Yeah. Yes, we were different. But I never had that feeling. And for me, that taught me how to be humble, how to care, how to understand that a title or money is nothing. It is what you do mm -hmm. with it that brings you somewhere. Yeah. And he has been my inspiration. And if I can add one more thing, he was so in love with my grandmother. He okay. Every day he used to say, looked at my, at my grandmother and said, oh, Maria, you're the most beautiful woman in this world how was i so lucky so imagine that's what i grew up to and it was wow. really really cool yeah so he is definitely the guy the person the human i look up to the wow. most that's a that's a that's a, a most incredible uh, most incredible story and what a person yeah it makes me want to read up about him um, more but what a what an yeah i i i and it makes total sense, I think, in a way that he was the introduction to your your masters about you know and perhaps the reason why you chosen the subject that you did, no, which I which I think we should come on to now. So, um, so talk us through, um, just talk us through. You were you were doing you know you were involved in this two year masters program. You got to the final dissertation uh, that you were doing, and then your chosen topic is leading with heart can a happy team achieve better business results so i can i can kind of understand <laughs> how how this topic is very much connected with the story you've just shared yeah. no absolutely yeah. so uh, let me i have obviously many thoughts and i get so passionate that it's difficult to kind of structure my way my yeah. way to give you a a good answer but let me try to put all of those emotions that are coming right now into into a, a strict order let's say like that okay. a german order okay. 
So okay. the first right, yeah, is this is the German side. Is it, <laughs> this is the German. Now? Let's see. Let's see how it comes out. <laughs> maybe <laughs> <Okay>. this. Maybe. <laughs> Anyhow, so when I think about myself, and I'm I'm sorry to talk about me in the first sentence, That's... right? But yeah. uh, I'm I'm a hardworking person. I'm ambitious. I am super passionate about everything I do, and I understood really early. Let's say it like that. That my performance has a direct impact, hopefully positive, right, on the business, right? So that's clear. And this is how when you are a manager, you have a team of people and you see them as impact on business. If they perform right, business will go good. That's it, yeah. right? But what I what I was uh, striving for, what 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 really struck me hard is when you are a manager, you become very, very aware that the way you lead can leave a mark on people, can have an impact, especially on younger generations, on their confidence, on their growth, on their development. How many times have you thought about a, a good leader that you had or a good manager and say, oh, I remember that person gave me this advice and this is why now I do this and that. So imagine how important it is to be a good leader if you're actually impacting someone else's life, right? So mm -hmm. that's when I thought this needs to be more than just impact on business, return on investment, right? So that right. was my first thought. And now the next thing is uh, I genuinely, when I thought about my grandfather and him being so successful and he was such a hard person that some he was so humble that i could never put him in the same phrase as aggressive mm -hmm. executive ceo of multi-million companies that was like no it's not it's no way there's so but he was still successful so for me it was really important to understand if you could put leadership with heart in the same sentence as business. So if we look mm -hmm. back at when I wrote this, uh, I started researching on leadership and you heard about democratic leadership, situational leadership, transformational leadership, bureaucratical mm -hmm. leadership, even leading by example. But I never heard heart and business in the same sentence. On the contrary, I always heard, no, no, emotions stay at home. Uh, the heart is something else. Business is business. This is everything I heard. And I said, but why? Why can there be heart? Heart means caring. Mm -hmm. Hearts mean authentic. Heart means caring about what you do, the people you're working with. Why is there leadership with heart is not nowhere, right? Mm -hmm. Now, afterwards, we start hearing about Simon Sinek and a lot of, so this has become like a trend or something everyone is talking about. But a few years back, if you remember, that was not mm -hmm. everywhere. If you add to that, that I am working in technology and I was, when I joined SAP, the company I'm working for, I was the only woman in a team of 25 men, very senior men. I was young and Colombian and uh, a girl, you know, I was like the little girl. And all of my role models, 
including my grandfather, they were male. Male, mm -hmm. and some of them were very hyper-masculine. They had hyper-masculine leadership styles. I don't know if that's a word, but yeah. I hope you understood. Yeah, so I do. Yeah. That was my role model. And then there were a few women that, in my eyes, they were very aggressive. They even looked and acted and they dressed like very aggressive. And I said to myself, it can't be only me. I cannot be like that. That's that I want to be a leader. I want to be a manager. I want to uh, have a team. But if that's what it takes, then sorry, I'm not, I, I'm not built of that. But then I said, mm. it's important. I'm not that special, you know, it's impossible. There are not more people that think like me. And this is when I said, you know what, let's use this opportunity of this masters and, mm. and let's make the most out of it. Maybe uh, let's prove that you can put leading heart in the same, in the same sentence as return on investment and, 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 and performance yeah. so that's what I did that that's what you did and uh, it's quite interesting as you as you talk about different role models and I, I think we've all experienced being managed well and not so well and I do remember in my sort of earlier sales career I had a had a manager and um and he came into the office uh my office one day or into the in the office and and um he sat on the desk and he looked at me and he said, um, Phil, if you want to be successful in business, you've got to be a, well, I don't know if I can use this word, starts with S and finishes with T. Okay. Can't imagine. <laughs> and I, and I, was, uh, I was astonished, you know, and, and, um, and this, this comes back to this sort of alpha male type, free no sort of characteristics, which you mentioned earlier on. And um, I must admit, I've always questioned whether there was another way, you know, to get to get there. So I'm absolutely thrilled that you've uh, chosen to have challenged, I think, a lot of the, um, you know, perceived thing or the current thinking about what it takes to be a successful manager. And uh, I, I just love the fact you've you've addressed it. And of course, you know, being a woman in sales, you're one of a, a minority, particularly in the technology sector. And I think your own personal success story, which we'll come on to later, I think, sort of speaks for itself. But um, let's come back to the, let's come back to the masters. So you've got the subject. Yeah. You've um, started doing some kind of research into looking what's out there, I guess, you know, books that might have influenced you and and so on. So, so when you embarked on this journey, of course, the, having these w three words together, uh, leading heart and ROI, you know, you found there wasn't a lot out there. Is that right? Not a lot of research on connecting those words together. So uh, the, the answer, the, the easy answer is no. And I want to add yeah. an anecdote to that. Is okay. Okay. I had a manager at the time, a, a person, I, I, I really like him, I genuinely do. And I told him, I'm going to do my master's. I was super excited. I wanted to share with him. You know, it was also required by the master's. You have to explain your manager, your this and yeah. that. You have to have the mentors, buy, the buy-in, right? And I yeah. explained to this manager what I wanted to do. And his response was, 
you are too emotional, you will never get anywhere. And now oh. I am the manager <laughs> of the manager of the manager of the manager of the manager of his manager. Something like that. Okay. So okay. for me, it was super interesting. And I genuinely like him. I'm not saying this uh, to, to in a revengeful way, in, at least not in a bad revengeful way, but in yeah. a way that I was like, you know what? It's, it's actually a super opportunity that nobody believes in this because it yeah. gives me more uh, energy to prove. It gives me more energy to research. And it gives me, uh, you know, the, the, the passion for the topic because it can't, I cannot be the only person in this 7 billion uh, human humanity that thinks like yeah. me. This is impossible, right? So I started doing my research and I came across some names that are now my favorite uh, authors and uh, yeah. you said it well my spanish accent mixed with english not sure i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna do a good uh, uh, really? i'm gonna pronounce it correctly but let me try is kuses and posner did yeah. i say it right yeah, Kuz and Posner. We sometimes don't pronounce the final two letters, but that's fine. Kuz and Posner. <laughs> okay, <then. laughs> yeah. I really genuinely like them. I in in my in my LinkedIn page, I have a phrase for them that starts "hard." You have to have hard, and I really like how they phrase how you have to be honest, inspirational, competent fair-minded, supported. So this is what I started reading and I started getting really excited because they are they are not the newest, they are not super new, you know? They already had mm -hmm. thought about this topic. So I was happy reading them. They were a huge part of my, of my thesis, of my master's. And then there was Susan Steinbrecher and Joel Bennett. Um, Heart-Centered Leadership was their title. So I was happy, like, okay, I'm not, you see, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not the only <laughs> one. I knew someone. I'm not creating this, you know. Uh, there was someone who already thought about this. And I also like very, very much how they phrase and they talk about how you have to keep the core values from your ancestors, you know, and the ethics, and then add modern techniques to it. And I said, yeah, right. because there are some things that come from generations of education and those core values, that ethics and that education, that's what should be there, right? And then you can put mm -hmm. all of this new uh, additions and modern findings, of course, to it. So those were my my go-to authors. I really genuinely okay. like them and recommend them. And then, of course, Simon Sinek started to be super, uh, there was a hype on over Simon Sinek and who doesn't love Simon Sinek, right? So easy to right. hear, easy to listen. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 And um, I also think that even though the topics are not completely related they are a good basis to leading with heart and for me i'm genuinely interested in everything around positive psychology neuroscience and everything that is about becoming 
I have like this constant need of how can you become a better person, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. all of those books really inspired me and helped me, of course, uh, during yeah. my master's. Are you ever unhappy? Am I ever unhappy? <laughs> I can't imagine. I'm looking at you now and I'm just thinking, I, I don't think I've ever seen Christina unhappy. Um, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so that's very funny that you say it because in my company they always ask me what do I put on my coffee every morning and they call okay. me the happiest employee every time okay. and, and and they yeah. measure them the COO of the region he always measures himself to me so he's like someone will ask him how are you and he says in a scale from one to Christina today I'm doing really good so it's really funny so to answer your question uh, they say that happiness is not state it's moments right but my moments yeah. are are continuously happy so I think I'm genuinely oh, a happy wow. person wow That's and fantastic. I, uh, it doesn't mean I don't have, I'm not sad. It doesn't mean I don't have yeah, problems yeah. sometimes. It doesn't mean sometimes yeah. I want to throw uh, everything out of the window and just say sleep for three days because I'm so tired. But yeah. I genuinely, genuinely believe, and I'm not sure I'm wrong, but this is how it works for me, let's say like that. Yeah, yeah. Two things. First is we are used to calling everything a problem and i think there are problems and then there are conflicts and once you learn to differentiate problems from conflicts conflicts you can resolve right problems you can also but it takes time effort so what is a problem for me you know something uh, an illness That's a problem. You know, okay. that's something you need. Well, okay, let's do this. Yeah. We're going to do it. Uh, something that happens in traumatic or a tragedy in your family. That's a problem. The rest, conflicts, conflicts. You don't like someone in the office, conflict. You have an issue, conflict. You didn't sell what you wanted to sell, conflict. You cannot resolve that. So this is my okay. first Uh, uh, let's say, I don't know if rule is a word, but my lemma, they, they, yeah, this yeah. is very important for me because I think language makes makes a difference, right? If you're telling yourself mm. all the time, oh, another problem, another problem, another problem, it's impossible that you're happy. Too many problems and happiness cannot go in the same th- sentence, right? <laughs> but if you have maybe one problem that you're working on and it's your challenge and then a few conflicts, You can't be happy. So that's the okay. first. Separate problems from conflicts. And the second thing, and this is also genuine, and this is what what my circumstances in life have taught me because I've gone through a, a big illness, let's say it like that. Yes, I but, yes, uh, you yeah. Yeah, so I, I am a survivor, but I'm I'm happy well to say it. I say this with this smile in my face. And what I learned is that. You cannot control what's happening to you, what life throws at you. You can't. And mm-hmm. if you want to control that, you're going to suck all your energy and it's going to be very difficult to be happy. The only thing you can control is the attitude towards mm-hmm. what gets thrown at you. That when you can, you know that and you 
can control that, then it's something, right? It's like, okay, at least I can do this and I can be positive and I can choose to be optimistic and I can choose to fight this and I can choose to stay alive and I can choose to make mm -hmm. my family not worried. So that those are the little things that help you confront, fight, uh, whatever you want to call it, those problems. And that's when you realize that, then you're happy. Then you can smile that's and be true. optimistic, which doesn't mean you're not realistic. Okay, well, that's that's a great answer. So I really, a long really answer. It's a long. No, no, it's a great one. No, I, I think I'm such a a great believer in a sort of this positive mental approach. And uh, if you visualize something also strongly enough, very often you can get what you want at the end of the day. But uh, no, I I agree, and I I I think it's just a it's, it's a it's a wonderful. Uh, approach to life and you know obviously it's standing you in 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 very good stead when you when you were doing this project were you worried at all that um you wouldn't you know you wouldn't your your thesis if you like which is so strongly sort of based on what you've observed in your grandfather and so on actually you wouldn't really get a result from it maybe or or you know or did you ever think that it might not give you the answers that you're looking for or did you just have this beautiful belief that you were you were gonna get that <laughs> <laughs> so so the good thing is that because there was literature on it and okay. it i thought like okay there if there's literature if there's books and if there's bestsellers they're smarter than me that's for okay. sure. And if smarter people than me did it already, then it's, I don't know, okay. the, the failure uh, can be minimal, right? So Yeah, yeah. But there's only two books, you know. It's not like, you know, if you looked at any other leadership, you know, situational leadership, you'll have sort of, you know, one million research papers on it, but but not so not one million on leading with heart, probably. Uh, but uh, it's a it's a it's an evolution, right? So it's an evolution. It's an evolution. Yeah, it's the era we're in. You see, you, we were talking yeah. before about females and males. Now we have yeah. much more females in the workplace in leadership positions. So it's an evolution, and for me, yeah. bringing the heart into business, it's part of this evolution. So someone's yeah. Smarter than me already started. So I was a firm okay. believer that I was going to get something out of it. Yeah. And if I didn't, um, I'm a rebel. So I was going to do it my way anyway <laughs> until someone fires me, which hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, they haven't. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the reality of, okay. of your question okay, so and my answer. Brilliant. Um, so, um, so how did you go about your research then? Because you studied the books, you realized there were people out there producing some interesting research on the similar topics and connected topics. And you then went about sort of collecting um, research, I guess. So could you just talk us through what you did to substantiate your final conclusions that we'll come on to later? But just, yeah, how did you collect information and data? Yeah, so uh, obviously you said the first, books, readings, 
uh, videos and Simon Sinek research papers. All of that okay. was a very good basis. But then because this master's was a two years long and I yeah. was transforming myself, let's say it like that, because when yeah. I joined the master's, I got recently appointed as a manager, right? So yeah. one of the best things that this master's gave me because I'm in, I'm very, very thankful and grateful for it because it's a learning for life. It was the transformation from the inside out. So let me explain this. Mm -hmm. I've done other masters who, which are very interesting. Of course, you learn a lot, but the typical way of those masters is you read on a topic, you do a business case, you do a group activity, you solve a business problem, right? This is how it goes yeah. and you learn a lot of techniques. This master's, what was really the heart of it for me is it's a little bit different. It says something like stop, look inwards, analyze your practice. What are you doing? And then mm -hmm. see if that is working or not. For me, that was the biggest learning, the most transformational of all. And how does this tie to your question is that from that moment on, I started to be very present and very self-aware during my entire practice as a newly appointed manager, seeing mm -hmm. whether my... Uh, my theories or my the things I wanted to do were having a good response or not. So Brilliant. I started doing very small things that had a lot of positive in, uh, um, impact. I'll tell you a few. But I also did some things that were a failure, right? And I'm going to speak about okay. that as well. And that was really cool because I could measure, if you can call it like that, yeah. what is from the heart and has a good impact. What is from the heart, but I'm completely wrong about it and I need to learn about it as well. And so during, during those two years, I genuinely transformed from a hyper-performance manager to what I think is a leader, and obviously I'm still learning. I'm not that arrogant mm -hmm. to say that I'm two years I was a leader. No, but at least I became someone who I was really proud of because mm -hmm. my team was growing, not because of me, because my team was growing, developing, and being the star. So to your question, that was a really important part of my discoveries mm -hmm. and what I learned is being very self-aware goes back to my introduction what you do can have an impact on people you need to be very aware everything you say can have a positive or a negative impact I know people will tell me no 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 that's that's what your father and mother need to do at home but in the workplace yeah. it's the same right and I remember uh, my first one-on-one -on -one meetings I didn't know what one-on-one -on -me one -on -one meetings were, yeah. right? They tell you, you managers do one-on-one -one meetings. And I'm like, okay, let's do one-on-one -on -one meetings. What is that, right? So the usual, hey, yeah, how are you? Fine. Uh, how, how are you, the sales going? Are you doing this good? Are you under any help? 
nah. And then I started saying, okay, this is not, what's the impact? I'm not getting anything out of it. What is that person getting out of it? Nothing. So I started doing something very small, which was closing my laptop, sitting on the, not on the boss seat, but on their side. So I had a desk with the, what I mm. call the boss chair. <laughs> and then yeah. everyone was sitting in front. And I skipped that and I sat right next to them, you know, level, eye level. Yeah. Being a manager is just a title. It doesn't come with an infusion of being more wise. No, you are equals, okay. let's say it like that. And mm. we sit down and I look them in the in the in the eyes. And I said, how are you? Okay. Oh, no, yeah, well, yesterday we sold. No, no, no. I don't care if you sold or not right now. How are you? How? And then the reaction was totally different. And then we started building this trust relationship. And I started seeing people as people, not mm -hmm. as performance for business improvement. And their response okay. to them was really opening themselves and and mm -hmm. when you have this trust relationship with your manager with your leader with that person that is there right then you start having this confidence to say today i'm not good i need help here or on the other mm -hmm. way is for you i will do anything what do we have to do let's do this so that was really really cool and then I also experienced some failures, which thanks to the masters, it was a huge eye opener. And I think you know what I'm going to say. And that I'm is, not sure, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that is the coaching topic. Okay. Yeah. So imagine uh, a little bit of, of how I became a manager. And, and I am very aware, I'm, I'm talking about myself, but it's important to make a point. I was a high-performing individual. So I, my mm -hmm. entire life, I was, it was about proving myself to me, to my family, to everybody, the only women in a, in a man's culture. And I was this little smiley person. So I had to prove myself. This is what I thought, right? Like I was objective, perform, execute, deliver, again, next one. This was me. So when they asked me, can you please be a manager? And I said, why me? They said, we want to, we want to have Christinas everywhere. And I was like, you want more people like me? Oh, yeah, let's do this. So my first thing was, everyone has to be like, like me. Imagine how crazy that is. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Not but... sure how many people could uh, <laughs> but... could reach that 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 Christina scale. No, um, no, yeah. you don't want that. You don't want that. Anyhow, yeah. one of those uh, topics was coaching. And when I, I right. heard coaching a lot, and for me it was this this very stupid concept, right? Like, why would you sit someone with someone? Ex explain a problem and then that person is asking you questions you know high performing yeah. person like me i've already looked for the answer here there there if i'm going to use because i need your help right so yeah. i was when it was the coaching uh master's module yeah i was like oh my god of course you cannot like everything right not everything is perfect but let's get <laughs> this through right and i was like i never don't believe in this coaching maybe mentoring but coaching, asking questions. This is so stupid. And then I had my first coaching. It was a play, a, a role play. 
Oh my yeah, yeah, god! The fishbowl exercise, yeah. Blew my mind. It made me realize that there is a different way of looking at problems. There are blind mm. spots that you don't know, but the most important part is if you look at the problem of another person from your eyes, you will solve the problem as you would, then the other person will not learn, will not grow, will mm -hmm. not develop. It is like telling you or your son how to educate his child. You are a father, you had children, it was yeah, yeah. another situation, another time, another, you know your children, he knows his children, he'll have to learn how to educate, you can give mm -hmm. them some guidance, but you cannot tell them how to do it. It's the same. And that was for me, I don't know the words, I'm just going to make it blind, mind-blowing. That was yeah. super nice experience because in my practice, I was telling people from the bottom of my heart how to solve the problems. Yeah. And then I understood not working, not working. And okay. I have a very cool anecdote to prove it, but I'm conscious of the time, so I'm gonna yeah, yeah. let you guide no, us. No, I know. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was, uh, I was told by uh, Louise Sutton uh, actually. To, you know, well, I wonder if the coaching uh, experience would come up, and you've certainly, you've certainly done that.